It's the Paul Patterson and Tom Scallon podcast show. They're talking the walk and not about sloppy, sloppy Joes. So, talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk. Talking walk, talk, talking walk show. Welcome back to episode 16 of Talking the Walk. This episode is Preparation H. And I'm Paul Patterson. And I'm Tom Skellen. We, uh, we are here on a Saturday morning, so we apologize. You know, we, we originally thought that we were going to go on Thursdays, but soccer schedule and uh, um, everything else that's going on as far as getting ready for school did not work. So here we are on Saturday morning um, trying to knock this out, and we're going we're gonna to get rolling. So uh, obviously, you know, we appreciate Jake Brown and, and the work that he did for the original music. And then, of course, we appreciate Bailey Bishop and the work that she did for the original artwork. And then our social media director, Tyler Stanley, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So if you, if you get a chance, do some interacting with, uh, with Tyler, and then he lets us know what's going on there. Fact checker, Jill Martin, she came into play this week, and we'll talk more about that in the feedback portion. And then, of course, you know, Jeff Graby in the marketing uh, department is, uh, is coming soon. Sometime maybe November, December, January, I don't know, sometime. Yeah. Graby's I, think he's, get going. I think he's checking out trademark you know, trademark rules and, and regulations to make sure anything we do is is legal. Okay, good for him. Obviously, obviously the Muppets are out because that would upset Jake Brown. Or we, we can't be Statler and whoever. Waldorf. That's Waldorf. that's accurate. He 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 was pretty adamant that he and I are, are and we, and I mean rightfully so. We we talk about that all the time. Um, he, so Jeff Gravy not only is going to be our marketing director but he's almost going to be like our NCAA compliance officer making sure that everything we're doing follows the letter of the law yeah I, I think that's a good idea for us to have a compliance officer he might have to to uh, sit in a few uh, podcasts to make sure we're not doing anything illegal that's good true I mean and to be honest with you our non-sponsor of the day is is basically because he when he gave us his feedback um, it, it came up. So non-sponsor of the day is Atlas Ball. And you have to yell it because, and we'll talk more about that as we get ready, right before the Papa Burger section. But in order for you to, to properly say the name of our non-sponsor, you have to yell it. It's got to be loud. It was a wonderful game. <laughs> yes, Great team builder. And it, uh, well, we'll talk more about it, but it, better, the best position was being the driver. Well, I think that was quite uh, uh, much much easier than than the actual Atlas ball holder. Correct. Our, Correct. our thrower. Yes, I mean the passenger was the, the toughest spot to be in. No doubt but about critical, it. But critical. But critical. I mean, you got to you had to drive well. I don't want to give anything away. Both people were vital. However, one was much easier than the other. Didn't need your shoulders. I mean, you're, you, it was quite a shoulder workout. Anyway. Moving on, next next uh, piece is of course podcast confessional. Um, you know the the first thing that I want to want to talk about is I have owned a truck for many years, and I am still absolutely awful at parking it. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, do I? I'm not good at 
unless they have a lot of space to feel comfortable and confident to back into things, you know, and then I don't, do you remember when you, me, Quinn, and uh, Will went to the Iowa game? Iowa Marshall, was it Mark? No, not Marshall. It was uh, Miami. Northern Illinois. Oh, was it Northern Illinois? I think so. Yeah. That, that was a tight space. spot. Oh, good grief. Anyway, so I'm just telling you, I've owned a truck for quite a while, and I am still really bad at parking it. I don't know how to get better. I mean, without uh, practicing parking. I just thought you were one of those guys that uh, parked far away because you didn't want anybody to door ding your truck. No, <laughs> I'm parking a long ways away so that there's a lot of open spots. So I feel confident getting into that spot. I also thought it was just part of your routine that I'm going to bad park because that's what I do all the time. And so you're consistent on a lot of things, you know, left-hand driving, driving, yes. the, driving the left lane. Not on purpose. The, the bad parking with the truck is not on purpose. I'm trying so, to be a really good parker. Go to the barber every Saturday at every, every other. Tuesday it would at 6 a.m. Yeah. Every other. Um, so the next one, next podcast, professional, I, more so, no joke, than any other year, the, the anxiety getting ready for school is up. You know, I mean, and, and if you come into our room, just the rearranging of our room, you know, as far as the way that we have things laid out, um, making sure that you, you know, you, you understand how you're going to go through and you're going to sanitize and how you're going to, how you yourself are going to prepare to be um, ready for school and things like that. And so I, I just, there's a little more anxiety than, than a typical year, you know, and, and there's, you're always anxious. At least I would like to think every educator is anxious as they get ready to start school. But this year is just a little bit more and, and not because I'm, I'm scared for my health or, or I'm worried that I'm going to get sick. Although those things are there. It, it's just the, how, how well prepared are we for all the kids coming back and how smooth this, uh, is this um, beginning going to be? So that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's led, to, led us to rethink a lot of things we do, you know, like the destination pass and then Bailey added the QR code and then we're setting up that spreadsheet so I can send messages to the nurse or the main office, you know, that they can get notified that a kid's coming, which is probably a thing we should have done all along and get rid of paper passes. Why do we need that? But I don't know. At this point, I'm not that anxious. I'm more nervous about all the work teachers are having to put in without a lot of prep time and the two, you know, I'm sure teachers are anxious always about getting ready for their classes and are they prepared the way they want to be. Uh, now they have to also prepare a remote portion, which, you know, we'll all do and we got to serve kids and meet them where, where their needs are. But that's another, that's another prep of which training has been minimal. Um, what I'm anxious about is when we do get rolling, all the things that are going to come to our office about, well, what about this? What about, you know, we're kind of going to be the what if office. And, you know, uh, I don't think we have all the answers. You know, usually we try to get you an answer pretty quick. It may be, it may be a little bit before we know what to do because we have to think about all the different consequences, you know, unintended consequences, as well as trying to be real intentional about our thoughts. So that's what I'm a little bit more anxious about. And, and then trying to work with the kids to deal with all the things, you know, try to stay on the right side, distance yourself. Masks, wearing masks. Masks, yeah. You know, dress code's now going to all be about masks. So kids want to know if they can wear hats. And if that's all I care about is masks, can I wear a hat now? And just 
crazy stuff. And, and, you know, and you know how, how most um, faculty meetings go, you know, but, but you think about our meeting on, on uh, Thursday, wasn't that Thursday? No, it was Wednesday afternoon. And, yeah. and just how many questions kept coming up in, in this scenario, in this scenario, in this scenario, you know, because it is new territory for us. It's not like a regular school year. Um, so that, I, I guess, so your anxiety is coming from what you're going to have to deal with and how your office is going to roll and, and the role that you're going to play in trying to figure all those things out. Mine is coming from what do we, what do we have ready? Are we ready for the kids to come in and just how we're going to balance that? So. Um, I told you I, beforehand, I wasn't sure if I was going to drag you in, and, and I didn't intentionally drag you into the confessional, but it does feel good to be in here, doesn't it? Um, sometimes. I'm just okay. going to say we're, we're, we're ready, and we're going to kind of let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> sure. That's, that's a good thing. So um, one of the other things, you know, and I don't know that we've talked about this, part of the confessional is, is how bad I am at um, football equipment. Did we talk about this last time? Yeah, you said that last time. That that and here I am. I'm still ordering things. <laughs> you you have stuff written on the whiteboard. Yeah, we I know. Knee, knee pads. We need five. Oh, we got pads. those ordered. I got those ordered, so we can take those off. Um, well, you, you never tell me that, and then I erase stuff, and then you get mad at me for erasing stuff on the board. Well, okay. Yes, that is that's accurate. However, if we're gonna do if we're gonna do a podcast a podcast confessional, I'm gonna put this out here right now. I get really angry when people write in the middle of the board. We have a okay. huge whiteboard. It's meant for football, and people just write names right in the middle. Sometimes they don't label what the names are, and that bothers. And so okay. I always, I move them to the far left of the board. Nobody likes to do that because the couch is in the way. But why take up all the space for three names? So I move them. So um, I, I think that should be a Sunday night meeting, you know, okay. seven o'clock. We need to discuss that with staff. Okay, and side note to that, we can take winning edge names off on the left-hand side. We don't need those right. anymore, but we have to leave. So this is where I was going with the whole on the board. So all I remembered was them telling me that we needed more knee pads to order. So I order more knee pads. However, there's also up on the board, we needed more thigh pads. I didn't order any thigh pads. because They're right by each other. I get this. This is why I'm in the confessional talking about how bad I am at ordering football equipment. I've got to get better. I've got to figure out some way to get better. Well, we'd also have to be willing to go down. I hope, it, does Lammers listen? We have to be willing to go down and count every knee pad and thigh pad. And he, he only been dedicated to that. when somebody has given him a heads up that his name has been mentioned. And then he goes out and listens, like what kind of um, fun we're making of him or um, what we're saying about him. So he's just doing that to, to hear how that goes. Um, the next one for me, is just how the you know as far as getting ready for this season in football and there's a lot of things that we have to do but yet there's still a lot of things that we don't know what we have to do or how things are going to shake out and and um i don't know what that means for us and then of course the you know the as we always get ready into the first week that final prep for the week which is um got to get into um, varsity bound and and get the roster updated and get that taken care of make sure that um, we're ready for Friday night as far as us traveling to to Carlisle and and uh, all the things that are associated with that and then making sure that I'm ready with stat packets I'm making sure that I'm ready with um, everything else that that I need to get 
a game going. Um, and so final prep for this week is something that, that uh, I've got to get done and, and work on here a little bit this weekend. And uh, obviously it'll end up being through the week that we, that I end up having to work on. You got anything else for a podcast confessional? No, I think I've enlightened our listeners enough on, on some of my issues that I have. I mean, that, I, I guess if I was going to confess things, it's not so much about preparation, but or, or uh, totally what you were talking about. But I, I am going to clean the coach's office this week. I just want everybody to know. So stuff hey, is getting thrown out. Also, side note to that, we cleaned up a whole bunch because we got rid of all the, uh, the polos, the T-shirts, and the shorts for the uh, coaches, which also then got rid of a box. And, and Matt has been doing a really good job of rampant coming in and, and getting shirts to uh, take out to Lakewood to sell. So um, we're, we're, you know, we're slowly but surely getting things taken care of and uh, getting them out of there for you because we know how much that bothers you. So feedback portion, I think, you know, to be honest with you, you got to start with, got to start with my mistake. Um, so, you know, said there were four head coaches on the boys side. No, three, we said three. Um, and then coming back, Brandon texts us, Schmitz, and says that, no, I think Michelle Weedman was a, was a head coach of the boys' program. So I send back to him. I'm like, I disagree. I don't, I don't think so, based on what I was doing through the, uh, through the yearbooks. Well, come back, fact checker, Jill Martin, talks to Roger, who informs her that after Roger stepped down, there was a period where Michelle was head coach of boys and girls before they split the program and then Kevin Boyce came in and was head coach of the boys. So it, uh, I was, I was, I was wrong and incorrect on that information. So we, there was another, um, head coach of the boys cross country program, which would be Michelle Weedman. Um, and so I told Brandon today uh, that, uh, he was going to get a little bit of an extended, um, talk about him because I, I disagreed with him and then, um, was in fact wrong on that and uh, corrected twice by Jill yeah. and by, uh, by Brandon. So you were being corrected at the same time um, by Brandon. And I got a message from Michelle a little bit later, but around the same time, just saying, Oh, by the way, I was head coach for a while. Uh, so you know, it's good that we have followers and listeners yeah. that can can keep all of our inaccuracies to, straight. And and I don't know what kind of log they're keeping, but I bet it's. It, I mean, obviously, it gets it gets uh, longer, more entries all the time. <clears throat> so next, <clears throat> heard from uh, Eric Neeson, and he sent two funny. Well, he sent one funny text, and then he sent a uh, um, a legitimate feedback. The, the first one was he sent a, a little video clip of two large men um, that were, were not very well kept um, being interviewed. And then he said, you know, I was going to say something about, oh, I didn't know you and Tom got interviewed about the podcast, which was really funny. Um, and then he also sent that, you know, the, as far as what we were talking about, the pitfalls, he <clears throat> sent back about how as we get older, it's less likely for us to enjoy change. Um, it, it just, it is. I mean, that's a fact. Um, Christy talked to me. She said, you know, the one thing that for her when she was younger, her biggest pitfall was she got invited to a few meetings at work um, and just sat there. Didn't, you know, it wasn't her place to talk. 
she didn't want to want to speak up and somebody pulled her aside afterwards and said hey you need to start talking because the reason why you're here is because you have good ideas and we want to hear from you you know you're a leader at work um so you need to start speaking up and so it took somebody to help her understand the reason why she was in these meetings was to to talk and and um, she's now much much better um with it you know obviously heard from brandon um correcting us on the uh or correcting me on the inaccuracies with cross country um heard from jill sorry no just two things um one i also heard from i thought you were done my apologies uh heard from coach crawley he said that uh, 2019 was the first year both boys and girls made it to state in the same year 1993 was the first year the boys qualified as a team and i need to so he was on my list um because he texted oh. both of us that the uh oh, okay. the thing that i was struggling with was we we were talking the the whole time this this past year that that was the first time that the boys had made it to state cross country and so then you remember last week i told you well how did they finish sixth in 1993 if they didn't make it to state and so i was struggling with that and i'm glad that dustin clarified that for us but that would be another one um that 1993 was the first year the boys had made it to state, which is inaccurate for me. And I had been saying all along, you know, that that was the first trip that the boys cross country team had made it to state was this, this past year, inaccurate. Um, and Dustin took care of correctly. So my, my second thing then would be if it took somebody to talk to Christy about speaking up, is it gonna take somebody to talk to us about shutting up now that we've been around a long time? Well, I thought Mark, we tried to get that done last week by telling us our podcasts are running too long, right? I mean, that was a polite yep. way of telling us that we need to shut up. Stifling free speech, that's Mark. Well, I'll tell you, after the some of the meetings that I've been in this week where I have talked a lot, um, yeah, and Brandon can attest to this, he, he would probably tell you that I talked too much yesterday on the impact um, meeting. And, you know, I, I thought, and he informed me last night that I was not in fact a rock star. I thought I did pretty well in that meeting and he disagrees wholeheartedly that I was, I talked too much and I think I'm funny and I'm really not. So that was good feedback too from him. Um, so he was, he was pretty honest about shutting up that I need to do that. Um, of course, Jill fact checking, you know, she helped with the, uh, the cross country um, straightening out there. Um, Jeff Gravy, he, he sent back that his biggest issue with, uh, uh, or his biggest pitfall is delegating. He, he has a tough time delegating things to people. Um, Lee Nelson, uh, he, he responded and said that his biggest pitfall is saying no. He, he says yes to everything because he doesn't want to upset somebody and he thinks he should be able to do that. And he finds himself into trouble all the time. Um, Peter Sand sent back and wanted to make sure that uh, we knew that he and uh, Alicia were very appreciative of you correcting me on the, um, from have to to get to portion of hanging out with the family. Um, and then he also sent a really nice text to both of us about the, the you know, him being the spotlight. And you know, I'm not sure I can, I can say it enough about how much he is, he has to do. And, and um, our, our entire athletic department is better because he's, he's on board. Um, and then <laughs> Dennis Bura, he sent in that uh, he agrees cruise control should be a mandatory thing um, on the interstate and highways that you should have to set your cruise. And uh, he can't comprehend why people don't use cruise. And then heard from Brad Criswell, 
you know, and, and to be honest with you, his, his was really good, you know, and, and we know him really well. And his, he said his biggest pitfall, well, there's two. Uh, one being um, he thinks that every situation is something that he can fix. And he, he, he tries to help. And sometimes, which leads to the second one, sometimes he forgets to take care of himself. And so his biggest two pitfalls were, you know, the, that every situation is something that he can handle and, and fix and get resolution to. And the, the second one is, is, you know, taking a little time for himself. Any other feedback for you? Not for you, but, but from your end? Uh, just uh, Crawlick was the big one. Yeah, and, and the corrections. I mean, and we appreciate that, you know, and don't think that, that um, you know, we're upset that we, we were corrected. We wanna get it right, you know, and I think that's something important for us that, that if we are wrong, you gotta make sure you tell us um, so that we can, we can make a correction and, and get the correct information out to everybody. Um, moving on now to high school sports, you know, and I think the, obviously the biggest thing is the uh, atom bomb that the uh, association and the girls union sent uh, in, in, well, as a joint effort and a joint um, release about they are now backing the, the governor's office and the Department of Ed. If you are a 100% virtual um, district, you are not participating in high school sports. Um, so now what we have is we've got Iowa City who has filed a lawsuit against, and I don't know if it's just against the Department of Ed or if it's the Department of Ed and the governor's office. I, I don't know the, the, the finer details of that. And then following suit to, um, no pun intended, following Iowa City then was Des Moines. They did the exact same thing. And the interesting thing for me is that Des Moines doesn't officially start school until September 8th because they don't officially start school till September 8th, they get to continue doing sports until that first day is supposed to happen. So September 8th is their deadline. And I can't speak to Iowa City. I don't know what's going on over there as far as, you know, can they continue? When is their first day? Whatever. Um, and, and I'm curious to see how this plays out from, from two angles. Number one, does this lawsuit being filed prolong when they have to shut down? You know, so as long as the, the um, lawsuit is, is in play, does that mean they continue going through sports? And then what are the ramifications coming out the backside? No matter what is the ruling, what happens to the kids, the teachers, the districts? And, and I think that, you know, and we talked about this last time, putting kids in the middle um, is significant. And I, and I, I just, I, I am curious to see how this all plays out. Well, since they're suing, some sort of judge who hears the suit first would probably have to do a stay of the executive order, but it's not really an executive order as far as, uh, so online learning, you know, that's the executive order. The state association isn't affiliated to the governor's office or the state, it's a separate organization. So I don't know if they were trying to support what the governor has said, you know, I. It just feels like there's a lot of things being leveraged. So some judge would have to say, okay, you know, you're going to have to hold on that 50% um, order, you know, that everybody should go back 50%. And then Des Moines gets to continue doing what they're doing while that's still being heard. Does, like you said, does that mean they still get to play? I don't know. Um, I wonder if Des Moines and Iowa City do what they do and say, we're going to play each other. You know? <laughs> 
you know, what is there, there, the, so get the association and all, all the association can do is say, well, you don't, you don't get a qualified for the playoffs. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that means the next year when they were back in that in the 21, 22 season, they jump back in and then the association says, now you still can't qualify for the playoffs because you didn't abide by our rules. I mean, this is all just, this is all wild to me. So I guess my next question then becomes, Iowa City Regina, are they a part of the Iowa City school district governed by that being a private school? So no. So they, they will be able to continue and do what they do um, outside of, if, as long as they're 50%, I guess. If, if they're 100% if they're virtual, then I guess they're falling in the same, same boat. And is, um, is Iowa City Liberty rules... part of that? Liberty is, but I so, don't know if the rules for, it'd be interesting. We need to talk to Gravy. I don't know what the rules are for a Catholic school. I think they can choose whatever they do because the state um, is talking about public schools. There are, uh, there are three Iowa City schools, right? High, West, Liberty. Yep. And then there are five Des Moines schools. So you would have an 18 conference. You'd have a seven game schedule. That's how many everybody else is playing. Exactly. But it's still bad that kids are being used as the bargaining chip to try to leverage what's going on. I mean, I don't understand why the association let them have a their fight. Des Moines, Iowa City, and the governor's office. Let that fight happen. Why Why are the kids not just getting allowed to play? I just don't get that. Well, I would be curious to it's know. It's not just football. It's knocking out volleyball. It's knocking right. out cross country. Golf. Golf. Yeah, Ball all golf. these things. Swimming, oh. right? Wouldn't swimming be be a part of it? Because isn't what's in the fall? Is it girls swimming? I think so. Yeah. So you you've got all that going. I I just how this plays out is interesting. And and I would like to have been a fly on the wall, um, you know, because you, you go back to when baseball and softball are happening, you can tell that the governor's office did not talk to the association of the girls union. She just came out and said, "Hey, baseball and softball are happening." scramble in Boone and in Des Moines trying to get things rounded up and, and, you know, having those meetings. Now, you know, they, they have, and the Department of Ed has come out and said, hey, this is the way things are going to go. And now the, the association and the girls union are backing what they're saying. So there has been some joint effort and there has been some disjointed um, things when it comes to high school sports. And so what makes one jointed and one disjointed? Some school boards are trying to create their own matrix as to when they should move to a hybrid and when they should move to online. Some of those matrix matrices don't necessarily match what the governor has said. So does that mean if we had an outbreak in three weeks and we pushed ourselves to online, but we didn't follow the numbers that she has, are we now ineligible to play sports? Or if we have an outbreak and we go online, um, well, let's not even say we have an outbreak. So Warren County's high and we decide we better cool it at school. Are we now ineligible to play sports? Uh, I, I, this could get crazy. It is new territory for everybody. Um, next, three football games took place last night. Um, we had... West Delaware of Manchester beating uh, Anamosa 66 to nothing in a week zero game. Had uh, Southwest Valley of Corning at uh, 22 
and Nottoway Valley of Greenfield at 15. So uh, another week zero contest there. And then the final one, Cardinal of Eldridge uh, beat Columbus Junction 63-26. So those three games were in the books, you know, and then, and then uh, there were an awful lot of scrimmages last night, you know, because that was the first night that you could scrimmage. And there were an awful lot of scrimmages that didn't happen, you know, us included. We decided uh, not to scrimmage Johnston just from the standpoint that we did not want to uh, want, want to have another week right before the season in which we were, um, what, would, what would that be? Just coming in contact with another group. Um, and so you know, we, we, we start games next Friday. Uh, and I'm talking for us, you know, it, it's week one for us and we're at Carlisle and for us, that's a trophy game. You know, we, we play for the, uh, the Highway 5 Bypass Trophy, the, uh, the NORCAT. Is it NORCAT? NORCAT? Or is it the WARCAT? WARCAT? WARCAT. Maybe that's what it is. Um, I don't even know what the name of our trophy is. That's terrible. <laughs> um, I just know that's the Highway 5 Bypass Trophy. Yeah. Um, and, and so trophy game for us, you know, a, a county rival. And the same thing, you know, in week two is the same thing. We are not a trophy game, but it's a still a county rifle and rival. And that's one of the things that we got to pick who our, our first two non-district games were. We, we, went, we went with the obvious choice, you know, Carlisle and Indianola, just from the standpoint that we're, we're all three in Warren County. And um, it's a good gate, you know, and I think um, that's something that, that uh, we had to do. Um, the final piece for me as far as high school sports go is, is Norwalk has not declared it publicly. <laughs> I mean, officially, I should say, officially. We're going 50% capacity, both on the home and the visitor side. And, and uh, in Indianola last night, it was, uh, you know, every other bleacher was, uh, was blocked off. We weren't supposed to sit there. And so they were, they were also 50% capacity. And, and we're going to have to do some things. You know, ADM and Winterset has come out and they've limited the number of tickets. And so we've got to get some clarification from them because we go to them, you know, is it, is it 450 tickets total for the night? Is it 450 tickets for the freshman game and then another 450 tickets, so 900 total for the varsity game? Um, those are some things that we've got to get figured out because if that's the case, if it's if it's for the night, freshman parents are going to have to leave and and not be able to stay for the varsity game so that varsity parents can come in and watch their kids. And um, it, it'd just be interesting to see the differences, you know, when people come to us. So not Friday because we go to Carlisle, but the next Friday when Indianola comes to us. They have to follow our rules. So fans have to be masked up and coaches have to be masked up because that's, that's one of the things that we have, to, we have to do with them. So what do we have to do when we go to other places? You know, and for us, whether we're at ADM, we're at Norwalk, we have to be masked up because that's a mandate from our, our, uh, our district office. So sometimes it matters what your district says and sometimes it doesn't matter what your district says. But um, it'll be, I'm just interested to see what all the different the variations to how things are going to work for everybody this year and what they are. Well, and we'll need a heads up. If we go somewhere and they say players have to be masked up, we need to carry a supply of masks um, because somebody's going to forget masks. We have gators. Yes, we have. We gators. have a lot of them. So we'll be safe there. It's it just, yes, you, I, I agree wholeheartedly. We, we, we are going to have to know those things in advance. And obviously that's going to come from the, you know, the athletic director's office um, from everybody, you know, they're just going to have to make sure that those things are out there. So, um, that's it for high school sports. You got anything else? High school sports wise? No, it's kind of like our talk about uh, school, you know, anxiousness. I think we're all anxious to see if we can get all our games in and get to the playoffs. I think we're anxious about how do we keep everybody safe? And then you just have the normal 
you know, it's nice to have a scrimmage because you can kind of get that feel of playing somebody else instead of each other. We didn't have that. Carlisle and Indianola did. So a little anxious about we haven't uh, seen an opponent and, you know, the physical play that we're about to see in a week. Right. And, and we're, you know, ready for it and able to react. And, 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 and how well they get off the ball, both offensively and defensively. They're physical and they play option. You know, they're, they're an option team. So that, that's the trifecta going into, into week one, not having a scrimmage under your belt against somebody else is, is those things right there. You know, the, how fast they get off the ball, how physical they are, and then option. So we, we've got a big week for us as far as prep work. Oh, which leads us into the Papa Burger portion of this one. And, and we, we named it Preparation H because we're going to talk about preparation, you know, and how do we get ready or things and, and we're going to do some old school stuff. We're going to talk about how it used to be and then talk about some of the new things and some of the changes. And so before we do that, however, we, we need to talk about Atlas Ball and what it is. It is, it is a game that hasn't been played for quite some time um, because we don't keep our equipment out back anymore. But back in the day, <clears throat> I don't even know how this started, but anyway, it started. What we would do, we have um, big foam cut balls that weigh, I don't know, 50 pounds. They're pretty heavy. And they're, and they're big. Um, and what we would do, and, and I think how this got started, was we, we would carry them, put them in the gator with the passenger, and then as we go, we would try to roll them from the gator, moving, throw it, and angle it so that it would go into whatever storage unit we were putting it in. Then it evolved into, and we're idiots. I mean, there, there is no doubt about it. It evolved into us out back going from the top field down the hill, over the berm, and then down the berm onto the bottom field and throwing it as hard as we can at another coach and then yell Atlas ball at them to see if they could get out of the way and how they reacted along with trying to put it into the proper storage place. Would that be accurate? Well, I don't know if I ever tried to throw it at another coach. They just happened to be in the way. But or, yeah, it, uh, aiming. The, it was all about putting the, uh, putting the cut balls away and we got tired of just carrying them in the back and getting them out and thought there's gotta be an easier way. So we just tried to throw them in the, the trailer, the semi-trailer at the very end. and. Sometimes people were out and about, and you just had to be on your toes. But the, that berm you talked about, that was the hardest part, holding the ball over your head. If you didn't have good technique, that berm shook you loose, ball dropped on your head, it was no good. Or fell. And then it was a wasted attempt. You know, yeah. and, and for us, that, that's why we were talking about, you know, hanging on to this giant foam ball and, and balancing as you were bouncing around out back, because it's not the smoothest ride out there hanging onto that it was quite a shoulder workout and then trying to figure out um how to throw it. that's why the the driver was the easiest portion you you had no physical exertion whatsoever from the uh um from the driver however i would tell you that there might be a few people on staff jeff Graby being one um maybe steve caster i don't know steve caster but that that probably if you were to like when we first said atlas ball at the beginning probably had some hair stand up somewhere on their body um, because they were, they were afraid that it was coming at them. 
Well, I'm going to go ahead and brag. I was a pretty good Atlas ball player. I mean, I, I had a pretty good shot. A little younger, a little, little bigger in the shoulders, you know. But, and uh, you, were the one that, you were the one that implemented the yell, too, you know, yes. as far as the yelling Atlas ball at, at people. Well, you had to be fair. I mean, if you didn't yell Atlas ball, that thing could come <laughs> up on you in a hurry. One of the things also, you know, that, that you hear often in, in the world of football is have your head on a swivel. You want to see some heads on swivels, yell Atlas ball uh, out back. And, and they, everybody is finding the gator immediately to see where we're at. Oh, yeah. It, it was good times. I think Gravy, was that his first year? First or yeah. second year? That's what he said. It was his yeah. first year. Oh, some good times. Good times. So our, our non-sponsor is, is, uh, is our little game that we used to play. Atlas Ball. Okay. Moving on, Papa Burger. You know, one of the things that, that is interesting is just the evolution of preparation, you know, as far as you getting ready. And again, what I want to make sure everybody knows is this is, this is us talking about getting ready for a game on Friday night. What are we doing? And how are things going? And obviously, we're not going to give you all the details, um, all the little secrets that we've got. But we do want to talk about some of the main things and, and how things have changed. You know, I, I was never around for, was it eight millimeter film? Yeah. Right? Where you had to, you had to cut, it with a, uh, cut it with a razor blade and then tape it back together and all that stuff. I was not around for that. So I, I can't speak to that. But I know that there are people still in the coaching profession in the high school level that had to deal with eight millimeter film and, and all of that. And, and what a nightmare that was in time consuming. You know, and so then you move to VHS for us. And, and uh, you know, the old setup in one of, my, one of my rooms from long ago had the, had the play VCR on top. And then it had the two record VCRs on top. So you would hit play, well, put tapes in, VHS tapes, hit play on the play one, and then record, record right away. And then you could make two tapes at once. And making tapes back in the day was very time consuming. Not, nothing like the eight millimeter days, you know, the actual raw film. But VHS tape making was painstakingly long. Yeah, and quality of the VHS tape was always an issue. Tracking, had to get the right yeah. tracking button. <laughs> but Getting when you going. got that burner, man, that was that was heaven. Right. So the then, burner. so then we we transition from VHS. Then we go to DVDs. Well, but understand with VHS, you had to go through the whole tape. So if you went through a game that went on forever, you would have to sit there and wait for the burner, all that time. So if, if the game is you know, an hour of game film, you would still have an hour to sit there and wait while that thing burned. Right, right. The the recorders. And then and then we moved to DVDs and Coach Con came out with that DVD burning tower where you could put the original DVD in and then it would burn, you know, four copies, I think is what we had. And, and that was a pricey little deal. Getting that it saved us a ton of time. However, the issue was it really depended on how your um DVD was burned you know it so sometimes they weren't compatible so we would burn four DVDs get them out play them wouldn't play you know and then it was very finicky about how you had to do it and everything <clears throat> so the evolution of film has been incredible and to be honest with you the, the biggest advantage now obviously is huddle and I and, and if you're not familiar with huddle huddle is a as a as a web-based um, online same thing right web-based um, program 
that allows you to store and put things in. And so now, rather than if I wanted to watch Carlisle, I had to watch one game at a time, VHS and DVD, one game at a time. Now what I can do is I can take every single game that we have in our library from Carlisle, I can put them all together, and then I can sort based on down the distance, I can base on formation, I can base on um, field position, I can base it on any of the fields that are filled in and get it done. So now I'm watching multiple things that Carlisle does as opposed to just one game at a time and having to chart that and, and take care of it. You know, and then you go, not only did you watch VHS and DVDs, but then you had to enter it into Excel or you had to enter it into some sort of program to help you keep track of what things were so that it would help you scout. I mean, it, it was it was a painstaking and a long process to get all that stuff done. Yeah, I think we used to take Wednesday nights um, and people would come to my house and we'd try to enter in whatever the exchange was on an Excel spreadsheet just to get all the data and that, you know, it took all night do that now with huddle it just you know the, the automatic upload you know through the odk process that we use kids offense, today just defense don't, and kicking odk offense defense yeah. and kicking kids today don't understand those young coaches don't understand the old you know and think about highlight tapes if somebody said hey coach can you help me make a highlight video oh back in the day it was like oh uh, you want to help them because you want your player to if they want to play you want to help them get somewhere but that was a pain that was a pain to try to, you know, dub clips. And after a while, it's like, just send them these games. And now with Huddle, you just start it, and there's my highlight reel. The, uh, the you know, back in the day, like, you know, I, I remember Justin Keene, you know, all the, all the, so we finally get what he's sending out as far as his recruiting tape. And I'm not joking when, I, I'm surprised the DVRs or the VCRs in my um, room did not burn up with the number of tapes that I've sent. And then, put them in, a, in that little small uh, envelope, fill it out, and then mail it to a coach. You don't have to yeah. do that anymore. They just Now they just send it to them through email or through their Twitter, or um, coaches have access on, on Huddle, and then they don't even have to – you don't even have to send anything. So right. the one – so side note as far as preparation, one of the things that was really good for a young coach would have been to do all of that film breakdown and those things and work on those tendencies because it made us better, you know, as far as uh, how to do all that stuff. And that, and that's something that is lacking a little bit in some of our younger coaches because they don't understand how to, how to do that. Now, now they open up huddle and it's all right there. They didn't have to do any of it. Um, and, and that makes a huge difference. Yeah. I know I get uh, a little crazy on data hygiene with the guys, if they are entering things, because every time they put a different thing in there or they don't enter the data, right. It's, it messes up, you know, your tendencies, and that drives me crazy. So let let's let's keep going down this this path of of getting ready. So you had you had the evolution of film in the world of football. Along with that, how did you how did you have to do exchange? Well, back in the day, in order for you to get your film to somebody else and then their film to you. You know, you, you had to set it up in your in your district meeting and how were you going to do it? Well, and it typically was you sent the last two weeks um, of film. So you sent the Friday night that you just played and the Friday before. You sometime on, on Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, you set up with the opposing head coach that you're going to play the next week and say, hey, where do you want to meet? Well, I, there, there's a Casey's in um, Milo with Sheridan. That's where I always met Lee Sandy. 
there's a there's a Casey's in Milo. Let's go meet there. So on Saturday morning, what time you want to meet? You want to meet at seven? You want to meet at seven thirty? You want to meet at eight? Whatever time. Um, so then we would drive to wherever it is that you're meeting, halfway point. And you mentioned it before we got on. Casey's typically was the place that you were stopping. Um, it, thank goodness for Casey's. And then you would exchange film and your roster. So you would give them in a little, little envelope the two films. So the one from the night before and the one from the week before, and then go. And then the crazy part is that you would end up sometimes by the time you got to week nine, you have seen a team seven times because they just, they, they were in that process of following you. And then there were times where you'd get to week eight and you hadn't seen any film out and it was just nuts. And then if you were really, really good and you were really, really deviant and sneaky, you could figure out which films people had of you and you could hide things from them based on how you were playing. You know what I mean? I mean, just all the, the, the craziness that went on with film exchange. Well, and you also had to remember, it was a little bit like the gunfight at the OK Corral. You would show up with your two or three films and then whoever you're exchanging with and your roster, whoever you're exchanging with is like, ah, I don't have a roster. Well, you, then you don't get our roster. Roster nope. came back in the pocket. Uh, our, our filming didn't work out. We only have one film. Then you only get one film. Yeah. And you know, if, if, if it was last night or two weeks ago, you're like, then you only get our last night. You know, and you had to. So as a young coach, the first time I did, I just the guy didn't have everything, but I still switched everything, came back and I got I got yelled at by Coach Miner about, well, don't give away everything if they don't have all the stuff, you know, because the young coaches were always the ones that you got to get up at. 6:30 and drive to 45 minutes away to exchange film with somebody and and all that stuff. You know, low man on the totem pole always had to go. You know, had to do the exchange. And if you did not provide um, explanations like that, right there, if you only get one film, you only give one film. And if you get, if you if you don't have a roster, you don't get a roster. You don't give a roster. And sometimes, you know, are more polite and and nice coaches received a tongue lashing when they got back because they did not follow the, the instructions, <laughs> similar to you, you know, but man. The, well, we, uh, even, we even had it uh, one time, didn't have both films. They wanted both our films. Well, I don't want to give them both films because then they get more time to break it down early. And they're like, we'll come to your house. We're coming to Des Moines and we'll come to your house and we'll exchange films. I'll get it to you. Well, no, I learned my lesson. I'm like, I'll hold on to this film at my house and I'll give it to you when you give us the other one because we we're all jerks <laughs> right well but you, you I mean you had to be you know and again you know it goes back to you know and, I, and we'll go all the way back to 2000 um, we had a team contact us and say hey can I get a copy of your film as opposed to the guy whose film we have of your game with them where they cut out a whole drive and then they cut out certain pieces of the fourth quarter because we had beat them. And so we ended up having to, and, and we helped them. We gave them the, the full game as opposed to that. And I mean, there was lots of little things like that going on. You knew you could base it on your schedule that you could hold things or hide things. You know, I'm, I'm gonna work on this in weeks one and two because my week five opponent is gonna get weeks three and four. So I'm gonna work on it in weeks one and two, not do it in weeks three and four, and then I'm gonna show it again in week five. And here you go you have no idea that this is coming. None of that's yeah. going on now because huddle, I mean, everything is open. It's, it's a full pool. 
you know, every class, and now this year they change it, every classification um, gets to see every other classification. So you can grab film and, and games from anybody. Um, so you can't well, hide anything anymore. Don't forget the rules too of filming. You were supposed to get the outside copy. <laughs> right. You know, and then sometimes the they type. give you, then they give you the tight copy oh, yeah. from the outside where all you can see are like five things. You can't see anybody's pass routes. You can't yeah. see that. And teams would do that all the time. <laughs> and that just drive you crazy as to. One person was exceptionally famous at that. Um, and, and we won't mention his name, but, but exceptionally famous at that. So that, that would be kind of the evolution of things, you know, and for us from a prep side of things, you know, and, I, and I'll talk a little bit about myself as far as getting ready for games. You know, when, when I am breaking a film down or I'm watching a, 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 an opponent, I will watch the entire game. And in fact, if, so if week nine, you know, back in the day, I'll watch eight games. And I'll watch them straight through. And I only watch their defense, but I will watch them straight through. No stopping, no rewinding, no anything. I'm just watching to watch. Then I will come back and put all those games together. And then I will watch all third and fourth down plays because I, most teams are going to play you a little bit different on third and fourth down because it's a get off the field down. So how are they, how are they trying to attack you there? Then I will go back and watch all first downs from them on defense because how are they trying to, trying to put you behind the chains, you know, as, as far as the, uh, uh, what you're trying to do offensively. And then finally I'll watch second down. And then, depending on who we're playing and how much they, they stunt and blitz and things like that, then I will go back and watch again. Yep, keep, keep track of how many times I watch, a, I watch a game as I get ready to go. Then I will go back and start keeping track of how often are they blitzing and where are they blitzing and what are their stunts look like. So that's, that is, for me, getting ready for a game on a Friday night. Those are the things that I'm trying to do um, as I get ready. Yeah, well, we're similar in that, you know, I'll watch a game through. Um, I don't watch all the games. I try to watch more of when they've played three fours. Sure. sure. You know, stuff like how they like to attack that. Uh, once we have all our data in, go through and watch those games. And then then it's really a hunt for tendencies. You know, we, we're looking for a lot of tendencies. Um, you know, we, I think a lot of coaches do this, so I don't think it's anything shocking. Uh, offensive coordinators like to hide some favorite third down plays. Right. That they don't show up in the tendency world, but will show up at big moments and big games. So it's kind of hunting that down. You know, what, what are they going to try and roll out at you? And of course there's uh, the trick plays and the little nuances of that. So um, just going through all those, identifying all those. And then the big thing for me is going through the films once they're lumped together to find tendencies. And of course now we play, well, a lot of coaches that we play, um, know that we hunt for those tendencies. And so we have to chart during games because they change their tendencies. Uh, so I, I suppose that's good that um, it's a compliment that they know that we're watching them. It's bad that we kind of have to go on the fly then to figure out what they're changing. But, uh, you know, that's, that's a week-long process. But you also have, you know, at this time, you know, for us, the teams that we're going to play, Mark Hookstra has been at Carlisle for, I don't know, almost 20 years. I, well, maybe not that many. I mean, he's been there a long time. You know, uh, Eric Kluver has been at Indianola for a long time. Um, Scott Heitland has been at DCG for a long time. You know, and then you start to get into some of the new ones. You know, Perry has got a new coach. Hoover has got a new coach. Uh, Zach Sweeney has been at Winterset for a really long time. Um, 
So you, you know, you go through our schedule and some of those people, they, they haven't changed much, you know, us included, you know, since, since we had Brady um, at quarterback in, in really 2013, we started to evolve into what we look like now, but now, you know, it, it really happened in 2014. We, we've, we, we're the same. There's not a whole lot of changing in what we do. And that's the same across the board for many of the people that we, that we face that have been around for a long time. There's not a whole lot of changing in what they do. So now it's just the little nuances, you know, of, of what are they doing this year um, that might be just a little different than years past. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Sweeney doesn't listen, but he already knows this, that I've got his trick play file in Huddle <laughs> that I just keep adding. And I, I think sometimes he just, if, if he knows that we're coming up soon, he throws out a couple new trick plays just so I have it in my file, just so he wants to be in my head about when it's coming. And uh, there were a couple years we tried to prepare for every possible trick play. And now I'm like, eh, he's too creative. We'll just, we'll just see how it happens and hopefully we can take care of it. He, uh, he loves to let you know when a trick play um, is on film. Yeah, so usually that, usually lets me know what the first play is. So, you know, Sweeney, where you at? Tell me what the first play is this year. Uh, I love it. I love it. So for me, you know, I guess we're talking preparation. So what do I do during the week um, to get ready? So this is also going to be a little bit uh, of a preview when it comes to uh, us talking about in-season routines, because I think that's also vitally important for us to talk about. And at some point in time, that's going to be something, a topic. Um, and Alan Stanley, we have not forgotten about you, you know, talking about concussions and CTE and things like that. So that's also going to be something as far as the topic goes. But for me, preparation, you know, the, the big day for me is Sunday as far as watching film. And, and I try to get as much film watched as I can, try to figure out what it is that, that I see on film that I think we can exploit. Uh, um, what do we do well? So it doesn't matter what you play. It doesn't matter what we're seeing on film we're going to run these things because we run them well and, and we feel confident in running them. So that, that's kind of how Sunday goes. Uh, and then on Monday, I put my script together for the week and, and my script has, has evolved. You know, back in the day, we, we would fill it out and, okay, we got to have these plays on first and 10 and these plays on second and seven and these plays on second and um, three to six. And we got to have these plays on second and short and then third and long, third and medium, third and short fourth and long, you know, and, and then here's the special plays. And then we would go through and we would fill out the different fields and say, okay, well, we have five passes in this, in this field, but we don't have any runs. And, oh, we need this play added here and we need this play added there. Um, and you get to the end of the game and you're looking at your play sheet, what you've called, and you're like, well, I didn't call any of these that I have written down in this box. So what, why am I doing it that way? And so that, for me, has evolved into now, here are the things that I want to run. Here are the things that I want to, to exploit. Here are the things that I think we run well. And then put together a playlist of those plays. Not, not I want to run this on first down or not I want to run this on third down. Here are the things that I want to run. And then I will figure out where we're at in, the ter in terms of the game to call those plays. And that's been an evolution for me um, and, and where I'm at now. Yeah, we're, we're similar in that Sunday's a big day. Try to get everything ready for Sunday. Monday we come out and uh, work with the, with the players on uh, formation and formation checks and things like that. With the 3-4, we're pretty flexible that we don't have to do a lot of checking, but there, there are you know, times that people present different formations that we have to be prepared for. 
our big thing like usual is tendencies and we'll have uh we're flexible in what we do so we we kind of narrow those things down that we want to run by game time based on the tendencies that we find and the down and distance and formations and things that they present and and that evolves over the over the course of the week same thing there's some things that i want to do that we don't run well or you know the staff's like it's too much get it out um because we can we can add a lot of complexity uh but sunday also spent a lot of time on the wristbands you know we got to flip numbers around change things because we're on the boards and we don't want people to to memorize our boards and things like that even though we try to put up two or three boards and switch the numbers and all that stuff that goes on and that's probably the neurotic part i don't know if they're filming our numbers or not but you know that's how defensive coordinators are so sunday's a big day get our tendencies ready and then uh, by game time we've got narrowed down what we think we can run well against the opponent you know and then on on monday for us offensively we we will run through our script you know the plays that we're going to run and we'll run through it a couple times and and it's pretty light for us as far as um getting ready and then we will uh um We'll watch film of the opposing team and we'll give them the, the rosters and the starting lineup and, and get all that squared away. Uh, and then it's a light day, you know, and then on Tuesdays, our heavy day, we, we get everybody back, you know, because the JV play on Monday, um, running through our script again, you know, so that we, we become a little bit better at it, a little bit more efficient at it. And then uh, we'll watch a little film if we, if the kids want it. And, and most of the time try to offer that up, you know, for them to be able to watch film with us and, and talk it through. And again, this is the offensive side. Uh, and then Wednesday night, you know, typically is uh, is another heavy night for us as far as practice goes and, and run through the script again. And then Wednesday night, oh my gosh, I can't tell you, last 15 years probably, Matt Ramthan and I get together. And on, on Wednesday night, we put together our final, our final sheet that we're going to use for the game. And basically what we do at that point in time is, is, is we get everything filled out that we want. Um, you know, that we've worked on all week. And then we start to add little things that we've also worked on for the week um, that, that may not be part of the script, but are also there for us to, to say, hey, let's make sure we remember these that they're here. And then at the same time, when I'm filling that sheet out, Matt is sitting at, the, at our kitchen table with Huddle and he's going through and he's self-scouting us. You know, what are our tendencies on first down? What are our tendencies on second and long, second and short, second and medium? And then same thing with third, all the way through. So we self-scout ourselves. Um, and then at the end of the day, we, we then, as we start to get longer into the season, what are our favorite plays? What, what do we call here? What do we call here? What do we call here? And then it turns into, well, we are no tendencies on, and I'm exaggerating, but no tendencies on first and 10. We have no play in week seven from weeks one through six that we have ran more than twice on first and 10. So then we have to change our our perception and what we're looking for and then we just have to go run versus pass and then what kind of run and what kind of pass and then that's kind of how we start to break down our tendencies as we get further into the year um, and, it, and I'll tell you what I, I in all honesty that self-scout is huge for Matt and I because Matt's in the booth and he's on the headset with me um, and then when we get to Friday night if we have a tendency on, on second and short to run play X and I call play X and I say, Hey, remember that's a tendency. And there are times like, yep, good call. I will change the play. Most of the time, I bet you know what the answer is. I don't care that it's a tendency. We're running it. So 
the, the, the self-scouting piece for us is huge. Um, and that's something that, that when I was younger, didn't do at all. Didn't self-scout. Didn't get, oh, shoot. They stopped that play. Well, on the other side, they're like, huh, he's going to run this play because he, he runs it all the time at this point in time. That doesn't happen as much anymore. And, and that's a tribute to, uh, to that Wednesday night piece for us. Yeah, I, I think the best part about our defense now is uh, the 3-4 is very flexible. And so we'll find tendencies on Sunday, get to the game by Friday. You've self-scouted. Other teams do self-scout. They change what they do. And the 3-4 and what we do now currently allows us to be flexible on how we're going to attack. And so just by changing a couple things, we can, uh, we can react to what you're doing and still do what we want to do because we don't want the offense to dictate terms to us. We don't want you to come out with a formation and say, we have to do this every time. Because uh, once we get in that situation, if you keep running that formation, you're going to find a way to pick on it and, and we'll be in trouble. So that's what I really love about where we're at right now is figure out tendencies, be flexible when it comes to game time and be able to adjust uh, in a hurry with the kids and be effective at doing it. You know, and then Thursday night for us is, is uh, we run through our script. Um, and, and when I say script, I don't mean play script. I mean our, our situation script. Um, it's, a, it's a Thursday night tradition across the country for teams that are playing on Friday night. You know, you, so you transition from offense to defense to special teams, and you get all of those things covered, and you try to cover as many scenarios as you can to help your kids be prepared. Like, what, what do you do after a safety? What's a safety look like? What do you do if you are end of the game and there is a terribly long field goal attempt? Do most people know that if the ball doesn't cross the goal line, that's a live football and you can return it? You know, what do you do on a, um, a two-point conversion? What two-point conversion play are you going to run if you have to run a two-point conversion? We practice all those things. And, and sometimes, you know, it, and Matt and I are standing down on the opposite end as, as you guys on defense, and, and sometimes – we're like, good grief, how long are we going to go? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm done running plays. I don't need to run any more plays. You guys are done, but none of us have talked to one another to say, yeah, we're good. Um, well, you, we've got you, guys dictate, you guys dictate the time. Don't tell me that you're waiting on us ever. No, no, no. I'm not saying we're waiting on you. I'm saying we haven't talked. We're talking to each other saying we don't need to run any more plays. But you guys are still going because I'm sure you're saying the same thing. Well, we don't need to run any more plays, but they're still going. So let's keep going. So All we would have to say is, how many do you need? Over, over the years, we have gotten better about script watching. And if the two of you are staring down at us towards the end, <laughs> we're thinking you're pretty close to being done. Yeah, that's true. And, it, and it, I mean, that happens. So Thursday is just a, another time for us to practice those things. And that, that – um, that's a calming day for me. I, I am, I, I, well, I shouldn't say it's calming because, you know, this Thursday I, I lost my, my uh, cool. Um, but typically it's a, it's a calming day for me because we're, we're, you know, as they say, all the hay's in the barn, right? I mean, you, and you are, you're ready to play. But it is a, an important day for our kids to make sure they understand, okay, you, you're on kickoff, you're on kickoff cover, you're on, or kickoff return, you're on, all these different special teams, or we need you on PAT, or we need you on the hands team. You know, all those little things like that, um, we try to go through, and, and I think that helps our kids a ton. You know, and always the first Thursday that we run through it, which was this last Thursday, it takes us longer than normal because it's new. And, and 
especially the sophomores don't know what happens because it's the first time they're through it. And then our, our older kids just have to get back into the routine and remember how to do it. But Thursday's a big day from a transition and a, uh, a final game prep from a scenario standpoint, folks. Yeah, well, the script can be bothersome sometimes. We get mad at it, but it does prepare us for all those di different circumstances. It helps me with my substitutions. You know, if we're going to substitute personnel, we did that a lot last year. So uh, it helps us get ready what we want to do uh, versus all those different types of scenarios. So that's that's the best part about it. I never like it week one, uh, but I like it like week three. Because right. now we're running it effectively and everybody knows what they're doing. And the scout teams have figured out the system, you know, usually the sophomores and stuff like that. So. It gets, the efficiency it gets early on is is suspect at best, you know. And then Friday, um, we we have obviously we're we're playing a game, you know, and and um, there isn't a whole lot of prep to do for the game, you know. You just you go through your normal routine um, as far as pregame and and stretching and all of those things. So that's something that uh, um, is big for us. And then after the game. You know, it's it's film is what is is got to be taken care of. You know, we we have um, offensive efficiency that we take care of. You guys take care of the things that you take care of on defense in preparation for Saturday morning film, so that we can have a conversation when we're watching film with the kids to uh, to take care of those things. And so Saturday, Friday, and Saturday um, became become a how did we do? You know, let let's watch where are we at and let's do some evaluating um, of our of our game. Yeah, I mean, Friday nights, we we certainly um, try to do corrections and get them out to the players. Here's things to correct uh, so they can watch those on themselves because we're only going to watch portions of the game. You know, we got about an hour. That's all we want to do is bring them in, watch about an hour so we don't watch the entire game. Um, and we also look at, we've set goals, you know, of certain things that if we meet these criteria, it, most likely we're going to come out ahead on the score, you know, so that's part of our process. And we've tried to take those goals and put us and put those things into practice. So if we want, if we want X to happen, if this is a goal, where are we practice practicing it to make sure that it's happening? Because if, if you're not going to put in your practice plans, then why are you having a goal for it? And that helps drive our practice and keep us focused on the things that we want to do. And it's interesting you say that. I just read here within the last week, maybe 10 days, um, a, a guy who is in football, in the football world, and his number one question when he goes and he watches somebody practice is, why are you running that drill? Show me in a game where this drill that you're running puts your kids in a position to be better at it and, and executing it during the game. And I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that's huge for us. You know, sometimes, you know, and, and as I mentioned when, when Scott Heitland was on, you know, football coaches are meatheads most of the time, right? I mean, well, we just, we do it this way because we've always done it. You know, we, we run the Oklahoma drill because that's how it shows toughness and that's how we get things done. Well, just because you've always ran that drill doesn't make it mean that it means something, you know, or, or it's helping your kids get better at something. You just running it to run it. So I think our, our staff, has done a fantastic job of trying to implement things in their practice plan, meaning their individual portion, to help their kids be better in game with the things that they're doing. And I think that's another great piece. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up as far as, you know, it, it's a goal. Yeah. So we have to make sure we're practicing it. 
Well, and that's, you know, like we used to do, we've always done a tackling circuit, but we've always wanted turnovers. You know, we always wanted three turnovers or something like that to take possessions away from the other team. To, and we weren't putting that in our circuit. Well, now part of our tackling circuit is a turnover circuit as well. There's things. And so when I'm down coaching the D line and we're talking about a certain, uh, like they have contained, um, we talk about where we would add in on the turnover circuit. If, you know, if we keep containing the guy cuts inside of us and we've done our job, when can we leave that containment so the back can't bounce? And we talk about now you're trailing the player. Here's your great chance to hustle down the field and, and use turnover circuit to punch the ball loose, you know, and uh, kids are like, okay, so this is why we do what we do and adding it into uh, your coaching just reinforces, you know, we're hunting for turnovers. Here's your chance to hunt for. So it, I think it's pretty important that your goals match your practice. And, and your, and your drills match your goals and your drills match what's going to happen in a game. I mean, that that's vitally exactly. important. Um, you know, and then Saturday morning for us is, is a time where we watch film with the kids. And, and for me, you know, this, this episode's about preparation and it's interesting when, when you're thinking about it is, is that you're, you're reviewing and critiquing what happened in the game, good and bad. You know, you're, you're taking care of that, but that also is preparing you and the kids to know what's coming this week in practice. What do we need to do that's better? Or what do we need to do to get better at the things that we weren't very good at, that we struggled with? At the same time, what do we need to do to continue to work on the things that we are good at? And so yeah. um, that, that's a week, you know, in, in essence for us, um, as we get ready to, uh, to prepare for a game? Well, we, you know, we track missed tackles. And this is how we've evolved um, just in this last couple of years. And Saturdays, we used to always come in and show all the missed tackles. You know, what was wrong with the technique? Well, we're not going to do that this year. Um, we don't want to miss tackles. Where we're going to emphasize that is in our tackling circuit. We're going to change our drills relative to that. But we don't want to bring them in on Saturday and just get all over them about missed tackles because we want to play really fast. And we feel that in the last couple of years, the more that we emphasize playing fast and the correct tackling technique and de-emphasize you're going to be in trouble on Saturday if you miss a tackle, that slows kids down. You know, they, they don't want to be in trouble. So we're still going to look at it as coaches and how do we need to change our practice, but we're going to be on them about play fast and run to the ball, play fast. Because the more of us, that run of the ball fast, good things happen. Right. And, and again, you know, I, I think, so as we, as we wrap up the Papa Burgers portion of this, the, the, the thing for people to, to listen to is the, the evolution that has happened for us. Um, you know, and, and I think that the more you can take a look at what you're doing and the more you can evolve into um, becoming more efficient and becoming more practical in what you're doing uh, is really big, you know, and, and for us, it's got to start with technology. You know, that's the first place that has really helped us um, as far as what we do to prepare for the week. And, and what we do is much different now than what we used to do based on technology being better. You know, and, and number one, huddle. I mean, I don't think there's anything greater than, than huddle for us as a, as a, a football fraternity um, across the country. And then the second thing is taking what you do as a program, taking what you do as an offense, as a defense, as special teams, and honing in on how to make your segment better. You know, and for us, I talked about it offensively, you know, from, from our play sheet and, and our play script 
to what we do in individual and and how we set up practices and all those things that that is the that's the piece for me that I think is vitally important for young coaches as they get going and, and making sure that they are uh, um, evolving. That was a long pause. I, 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 long pause. I would agree. Well, long pause because because uh, the dog started barking and my parents stopped over. Are we are we getting a guest appearance by either one? No. Dan or Tom? They're not coming in. No, I shut the door. I, uh, my dad would always give us free advice. That's true. That's very true. And basically it would be make them run more, have a good fullback, and uh, jump off sides and hit the other team's quarterback prior to the start of the game, and you're going to win. Play one. Play one. Be offsides. So that, that would be, for me, the, the end of the, the Papa Burger portion. I don't know if you have anything in closing there as far as the, the preparation nope. and, and – Getting I, think ready we, for the week. I think we covered it. Okay, um, moving on to history. Um, so this week we we had a we had a meeting in which there was some trivia going on. So if you were in the same meeting that I was in on Wednesday night, you do not get to participate in this. Okay, that, they just want to be upfront and honest on that. So I've got one, two, three, four, five. I have five Norwalk history questions. Please respond what you think the answers are. And, and again, you cannot be somebody that was in the meeting on Wednesday night. And then I've got two bonus questions. So make sure you, you're paying attention. Okay, so seven questions total. Are you ready? Question number one. This former athlete is the only Norwalk athlete to receive the Iowa Bankers Association Student Achievers Award. That's question number one. Am I supposed to give the answers? No. <laughs> They're supposed to respond with them. I'll have to come back next week and give you the answers. This former, and this is question number two, this former athlete went on to play division one basketball at Creighton. Do you know the answer to that one? Aha, aha. I do. Okay, good. Number three, in what year and in what sport did Norwalk win two state championships in the same year and the same state tournament? We've covered this on here, so everybody should get that right. I got that one. Number nine, this former head coach served as the head coach for three different sports in which two of those sports qualified for state competition, and one of those two won a state championship. Can you name that head coach? This head coach has been mentioned several times on the podcast. Number 10. Who is currently the longest tenured head coach on the Norwalk staff? Now, little asterisk to that, there are actually two that are on there, okay? Now, here's your bonus. Here's your bonus. Again, you should be able to answer the bonus questions. First one, name the only two athletes to ever win three individual state championships in their high school careers and in what sport? Yep, should be able to get it. Here's the second one. Are you ready? How many state team championships has Norwalk won in school history? Little side note, uh, I got almost all of those right in the meeting on uh, Wednesday. Okay, make sure you respond. And you may have to use the old back 15 seconds um, button on your podcast uh, 
player, whatever one you're in, whatever platform you're in, to uh, to rehear those questions again. But but respond either either send them to Tyler on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or respond to Gallon and I, and uh, and let us know your answers to uh, to the five questions and then the two bonus questions. Okay, I think so I'm five of seven. Oh, okay, we'll talk at the end. We'll talk at the end. Not not on air, but we'll talk. Uh, after we stop recording and, and figure it out. So positive, you know, last week we, we talked about um, Pete and all the great things that he, he has done for Norwalk Athletics and especially going into this year, all the things that he has to do to get ready to, to provide athletic training services for our, for our athletes. And I think, what did he say last night? 283 athletes he's providing care to. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick in the, in, the, in the health field. And after hearing all the things that um, Diana Duffy has to do at the high school, I think she should be the positive. I think she should be the person that we highlight this week. There are an awful lot of things on Diana Duffy's plate outside of a regular, or outside of a, a pandemic year. But now because of the pandemic, her plate um, stayed the same size, but her portions are now like that, that uh, um, professional eater that goes to a buffet that only gets one trip, but knows how to maximize um, angles and um, things like that, not mentioning anything beyond that. Um, but her plate has stayed the same size and now it just keeps piling up as to all the things she has to do. And, you know, from, from you go back to where she was here the last couple of years, as far as all the things she had to do for kids, as far as medications and, and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to taking care of the high school and splitting time with Laura Johnson at the, at Eastview while Laura Johnson is taking care of the middle school and then the other portion of Eastview. So you've got all of that, all the things that she has to do with all 700 kids that we've got, or no, it'd be 700 kids. Plus you add another 200 kids, you know, from, from a class down at Eastview. So she's now, you know, 900 kids. Now what you're doing is you are saying that she's the person in charge of contact tracing. She's the person in charge of making sure that everybody understands where it's going. If, if the kid doesn't feel well, they have to go see her. She's got to track it. There is so many things that she has to do that she has just become the most um, overwhelmed person in our building. Uh, and, and that's not even remotely close to anybody else. And so she is, she is a professional. She is a fantastic human being. And now she is, she is somebody that is, is overwhelmed with a lot of things. And I mean, not that it's fair to say, but I don't know that we have anybody that could be better um, to take that role on, you know, what she's doing and everything. So she, she is, she's in a really good spot um, as far as, you know, who she is. And now she's going to work through and she's going to do a fantastic job. I, I know it, but it, it's still, there's a lot of things to be done um, when it comes to the health side of uh, starting school up? Well, all five nurses have been meeting and working together and creating guidelines for us. And now um, I, I might've pushed them out of their comfort zone. Well, willingly they wanted out because I created a Google form to help them do all the contact tracing. And that was the easy part is creating the form and getting the data they wanted. Then listening to them discuss how they're gonna input it and how they're gonna keep it. You know, that, that's the hard part, all the work they're gonna do on all that tracing and, and they're also trying to track exposures you know where you just expose and who was exposed i mean it's it's going to be a big document well hopefully not hopefully it's not a big document by the right. time it's done hopefully we 
mitigate all the issues down to just a small number, but when and, it just comes to positivity and not illness, you know, just that you're positive and you're not sick as a kid, it's still going to be a lot to trace. And, and you know, they, they changed it 15 minutes consecutive as opposed to 15 minutes cumulative as far as the exposure um, time goes. So that, that, that's also a factor, you know, in doing that. But, you know, and, and to be honest with you, I picked Diana because she's in our building and I know her the best, um, you know, but we, we could throw any school nurse across the country if, if kids are coming back to school where they're, they're going to be uh, overwhelmed with the things that are going on. And, um, you know, again, from our end, we, we don't have anybody better um, that, that we could have in that position. And, and she is a, she's a tremendous asset to us. You know, she sits on our, our, our bat, um, our building assistance team, and she helps us with, with things. And she's involved with uh, um, attendance and she's involved with things then in helping kids, you know, make decisions as to whether they need to go home. I mean, she, there's a, there's a laundry list of things that she does. And, um, you know, just like we talked last week with Pete, we, we're a better school because she's involved. And, and I think, you know, she may not be excited about what she has to do, but the reason why she's getting these things put on her plate, not only because she's our nurse, but because we know she's capable. Um, and, and sometimes that's not fair to them, but um, it, it's a vote of confidence, you know, for us that, that she's gonna do a great job. So she's gonna be great um, and, and go through and she's gonna have lots of people to help her and everything. But um, Diana Duffy for us is our, is our positive from a, uh, what she has to do standpoint to get us ready for school and all the things that she's got to take care of. Oh, she's a good one. Okay. So we are, we're now at the end, you know, and again, um, I'm not sure I can thank any, everybody enough for, for listening. You know, we, we are just under a uh, hundred listens on average for our, for each of our episodes. You know, some of them have more and some of them have a little bit less, but we're, we're, we're almost at a hundred um, listens per episode. And, and I would have never dreamt, you know, when we started this, um, 15 episodes ago, being in episode 16, that we would be anywhere remotely close to 100 listens um, an episode, uh, especially for us two. Well, me, especially. Um, so I, I appreciate everybody listening, you know, and, and again, interact, you know, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what's going on. Let us know if you know the answers to those, uh, those trivia questions. And, and if you've got anything else from any of the other episodes, let us know, you know, and again, not sure I can emphasize enough how cool it is to hear your name. You know, when you're when you're driving along or you're you're walking along and, and you know your name gets mentioned on a on a podcast, it's pretty cool. And and we try to do our best to uh, make sure we mention everybody and not forget anybody. And and we do a good job of of uh, filtering through things, so we don't necessarily mention everything. So we keep some things confidential just between us. Um, and we're pretty pretty good at that. But anyway, thank you for listening. And you know, let us know. You know, give us some feedback. On, uh, on what's happening. And again, you know, this episode was Preparation H, talking about how we get ready for a game uh, on a Friday night. And again, that, that's what we can speak to, right? And we've talked about that before. Oh, geez, one more thing that we cannot speak intelligently about. Not that we spoke intelligently about, but, but it's real um, when it comes to the football thing. Um, and then our non-sponsor, Atlas Ball. Atlas Ball. Um, what a great game. And maybe we'll have to, maybe we'll have to get it, get it going again, um, out back and, and get that taken care of. And you have to be on the, I mean, based in your condition, maybe you and Steve Andrews have to be the ones that are driving the Gator because both of you are, are 
hurting physically. Well, I know I'm at the point in my life where I'd like to critique the young players. That's what I'd okay. like to do. I, I, you know. So you're saying not even being on the gator, you're saying standing up on the hill, watching, yeah. and then let them know where they made mistakes. I'm pretty sure we could get this on ESPN, the Ocho, and, uh, you know, yeah. do some commentary. I'm sure we could. And, and to be, have you seen uh, Holy Moly? No. Riggles is, is one of the, the commentators. I would like to see him and his partner, um, his commentating partner, do, do Atlas Ball, because I think they would make that very entertaining. He's a funny well, I, dude. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, who are the commentators for uh, if you can drop a wrench or if you can dodge a wrench? Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Dodge they were good. Cotton and I also think, and... uh, I also think the uh, NBA spinoff by Will Ferrell, the announcers in that. They're sure. good, too. Or, or uh, Key and Peel. I mean, those yeah. two could come on and do it. They would also be entertaining. So there's lots of possibilities there. But, again, um, send that stuff in. You know, and, and, again, this is Episode 16 of Talking the Walk. We appreciate you listening. I'm Paul Patterson. And I'm Tom Scallon. Closing time. Thank you for listening to the Talking the Walk podcast show. Yeah.